talented soccer players like you go unnoticed by scouts and coaches at the next level all the time. But you've worked way too hard to not stand out on the pitch. And that's where we come in. We help soccer players like you move, feel, and perform better in the moments that matter most. So, how do soccer players live out their dreams of playing at the highest levels? That's the question, and we have the answers. Welcome to the Soccer Doc Podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Aaron Stairs here from Premier Soccer Performance, and I wrote an ebook for you called the Premier Soccer Performance Program. So, if you're an athlete who's not serious about getting better and taking your game to the next level, this book is not for you. But if you're a youth athlete with dreams of playing in college, if you're a college player looking to make it into the professional ranks, or you're a parent wanting to give your kid a competitive advantage, this is the book and the program for you. We're going to go over all the habits necessary for you to take your game to the next level, and we're even going to throw in a week of free training with us online um, through our app, Premier Soccer Performance. So again, Download that, um, go to our website, www.premsoccerperformance.com, www.premsoccerperformance.com, and download your free copy of the Premier Soccer Performance Program today. All right, so welcome back to another episode of the Soccer Doc Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Aaron Stairs, and today I'm hanging out at the Performance for Public Sports Medicine in San Antonio, and my guest is Paul Brown from Soccer Sense. How's it going, Paul? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, so if we can get a little intro on yourself, your background in soccer, and what Soccer Sense is. Okay. So um, I originally came over with a, a soccer training company, a sports company, Challenger Sports. Um, yeah. And then from there, kind of got into the club game. Cool. Um, I was in involved with Alma Heights Fire, uh, then in Conwood High School, um, Classics Elite. Yeah. And then about two, two and a half years ago, um, we decided to start up Soccer Sense. Yeah. Um, really, the, the, the main reason we started it up was, you know, through club, there's obviously a lot of travel, a big time commitment, and yeah. having a new family and not having an additional family here. You know, um, we wanted to be able to do something where I could remain in the same location, but still have the opportunity to work with kids and train kids. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, January of... 2018 is when we started. Cool. And um, since then, we've had about just sort of about 500 kids walk through the door. Sweet. Um, and every kid that walks in is is different level of ability, different goals, different reasons for being there. Yeah. And um, you know, varying from learning how to strike harder to all the way up to wanting to make college or preparing for uh, a Pan American Games, whatever it may be. It's uh, yeah. It, it's been a really good. Uh, experience so far that's awesome that's awesome so so going back to kind of what you originally said with the challenger camps those are the british soccer camps right yes sir yeah yeah that's cool that's yeah cool. um were you always in san antonio for those or were you kind of all over so so originally i was based in in texas and, and i actually have uh, a couple of good friends uh, lee williams who coached at sfc ben loney who's at um san antonio sting yeah um we kind of when I had never met them previously when we came, we all worked for, for Challenger together. We yeah. were based in Texas region. Um, by my second year, I was kind of in charge of Houston area, so yeah. I was based in Houston. That's where I met my girlfriend now, my wife. Yeah. Uh, whilst we were there, um, I had the opportunity to travel into Louisiana, up in Seattle, so uh, other kind of places across the U.S. But um, 
this kind of one. This is this is what I the place I enjoy the most. Yeah, for sure. But that's awesome. And, and and so with soccer sense now and the way that it's set up in kind of technical abilities and things like that, um, how does that kind of play into the schedule of their of other athletes when they have their club practices and everything else? Um, how does that work with with you guys? So, so ultimately, you know, most clubs will train two or three nights a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I average is probably two. Um, now we're starting to see two to three times a week. Yeah. And so kids will generally schedule a session, you know, once every couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what we'll do is we'll communicate during this time. There'll be occasions where I'll go out and see them play. And, you know, we'll focus on areas that they specifically feel like they need to improve. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes the, the, the frequency of the sessions increases. For instance, the, the college, the college, age athletes or the the high school age athletes that are preparing for either ID camps or, yep. or college seasons will come a little bit more frequently. So you kind of see throughout the year, um, summer, I generally get a lot more college kids and high school age kids. Um, whereas in the spring and fall, it will generally be the younger clientele from eight to about 15. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so it's kind of a good variation of, of age groups. It, it's uh, um, all different levels and ability, like I said, and, and you know, the big thing is the amount of communication that I have with the kid and the parent so that we yeah. can really uh, hone in on, on areas that, that they feel like they need to improve. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. It's a, it's, a, it's a great concept. I mean, it's not something that you typically think about technical training outside of your uh, um, club, right? And well, Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and, and now because club is, is so consuming, you yeah. know, um, I think for me as well, the indoor concept, um, I knew from my club days, even when I would do some outdoor training sessions, Yeah, you know, it, it was hard to, at times, especially in the Texas heat, to control the intensity. Yeah. Um, for instance, if you're working on ball striking, um, if you've got 10 balls, they miss five, and then they have to spend two minutes getting those five soccer balls. Yeah. Subconsciously, so when, when they're shooting the next set of 10, they're shooting not to miss. Right. So that affects the technique in that aspect because now they're no longer really trying to drive through the ball or, or um, you know, if we're starting to pick uh, pick targets and, and, and become a little bit more accurate yeah. and maintain power, all of that gets affected because from from the mentality changes to, yeah, I don't want to have to go and get all these balls. Right. And so, so with the indoor setting, you know, the repetition and, and the amount of times we're able to do it becomes a, a really key factor because, yeah. you know, we can manipulate the technique, we can uh, develop the technique, they can execute the technique, and then we can refine it, mm-hmm. execute it, and we can do, for instance, shoot 100 times in, you know, 20 minutes, right? right. if that's the, what we're looking at, mm-hmm. um, whereas it's a little bit harder to do in the outdoor setting, both from, you know, the the, the mental approach, but also the just the time you have to take to get the balls of the kids working in the 100-degree heat. Yeah. Um, because that was something pretty early on. After the first three months, we were able to put AC into the unit. Um, so and, and that's so a big that, difference. That, yeah, that became a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's 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 because for me, you know, I want the kids to be comfortable making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll generally make less of them when yep. they're not there's, there isn't that fear. Yeah. But also, you know, as you know, through mistakes, you get so much feedback, and you're able to make adjustments, and you can understand what they know what they're having a harder time with. And then as we increase the difficulty and the intensity, you know, if there's a breakdown, we can revisit and revamp and, and, and then reintroduce that intensity. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've kind of noticed personally too. When I was, so I played 
uh, St. Mary's in college um, here in town. And in, in the off seasons, we'd always play um, in the semi-pro leagues around here with the, with, yeah. the, with the Aztecs and everyone else. I don't know if they're still a team or not, but I've, just the technical ability that you, the, the improvements that you make in that short amount of time, getting those reps, getting the little faster, bit, little, uh, faster pace game. Um, you know, it makes a huge difference when you go back out onto the field and you, you've had all those reps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I often make the comments to the kids, like, you, you you've just done it 30 times in yep. two minutes yep it may happen once in a game in a 30 second span but you've got to feel comfortable being able to execute it and, and identify that situation when it happens yeah you know one thing we start to include is uh visual uh cognitive training that through through i was approached by a company called switch on training okay uh and they uh have that application which um is used for the cognitive development and so by adding that into the sessions, I can make it a little bit more realistic. Um, for instance, if they're checking their shoulder, you know, sometimes it would just, to appease the coach, it would just yeah. be look back. Right. But they're not actually looking for that bigger picture. It's just... Just to do that. Just to check up the motion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so by, by forcing them to see something and then having to mentally think about what that means and how to make the adjustment, yeah, um, we can add a little bit more realism to it as well. Yeah. How, how, does, how does that actually work in terms of the technical aspect so are you having them are, are you actually shadowing them as they come into that kind of drill or are you saying like there's something behind you looking and like, so, red yeah, cone so, means this green cone so, means so, this so, yeah like so yeah exactly so for instance <laughs> if we're, we're it's a dribbling exercise you know uh, or once you're driving at a player wherever it may, may be the first touch is a vital part of that yep. dribble because right. the quicker you can get your head up and identify that situation, mm-hmm. the, the more confident you're going to be entering it. You're going to be able to make a decision a little bit quicker. Yep. And in turn, we're going to be able to maintain that speed. We generally see when the kids get the ball stuck under their feet, the eyes stay down, they take the additional touch. By that time, they're under pressure, shoulders yep. tense up, and they freak out. Yeah. So we can build on the first touch. We can build on the, as you're moving into the position of receivable, can you be aware of, is there space in front of you before you receive the ball? Right. So is this a situation where you can even dribble? Mm-hmm. So as they check, they tell me the color, or if it's safe, for instance, it's numbers, one and two. One means space, two means pressure. So if as they check and see one, how can how quickly can they identify their body shape, where their body shape needs to take them, Yeah. getting that first touch out of their feet? And if it's two and pressure, where is their movement going to go and how do they identify that situation? So yeah. it's starting to, and then the techniques involved in that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where where we've taken that. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and with your experience in you know growing up in England and the UK and coming over to the states and seeing kind of the different uh, different styles of play, um, does that make a difference in the way that you train here? Knowing there's a different style of play with yeah, I, I think so. You know, um, one of the biggest differences for me going up to here is everything generally is scheduled here. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. This is when we do soccer. This is when we do. This is when we do. Yeah. You know, in England, it, on the way to school, we kick the ball. At yep. lunchtime, we kick the ball. And albeit we don't have as many sports that yep. pretty much compete against each other. Right. But generally, we created the environment a lot of our time, a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Mm-hmm. And within that, I don't care if I mess up. I, I'm, if I'm one v one against one of my best mates, yeah. I'm going to try and move to beat them, <laughs> and then talk trash to them. Yeah. You know? And it's all part of that. That growing that. Um, and not that fear. And if I mess up, guess what? I'm going to take it on the chin as well. Yeah. But it's all of that kind of comes in where it was, you know, and that's kind of what I want to imply into here is it, it's, there's no black or white either. If like, if you, you're in a situation and you use something creatively to get out of it, 
Yeah. You know, you, you know, um, I, and yes, I'm going to look for certain elements of technique, but I don't want it to be stop if it's wrong, keep yeah. going if it's right. Right. You know, it's like now, now what, now what? Right. Um, and I'd like to think that I have a very positive approach. You know, we, we all say kind of as you grow up, you, you kind of take pieces from each coach that you have. This is what I like. This is what, um, you know, I didn't work for me. Like I, one of my, my biggest mentors and, and coaches was a gentleman called Chris Hyde. One of the biggest things I took away from him is, and, and I used it in my club career, is when he would do a team talk. And this mm-hmm. was at the, the pro and, and semi-pro level. Yep. He, he would talk to us as a group and then talk to us individually because he knew this person needed a firework at their backside. This person needed an arm around them and reassured. Yep. And so just by talking one way to everybody isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that the, the private training allows me to do is get to know these kids really build a connection and yeah. what makes the, them tick. You know, some kids are harder on themselves than others. Right. Some kids are so carefree mm-hmm. that it, they don't necessarily do things correctly. Right. You know, because they don't put that. So, you know, you get to learn that and, and how to challenge them. Yes. Are, are they driven by goals or, you know, are they, is it baby steps? Do we have to make it simple and then expand on it? Right. Makes sense. It makes sense. And, one thing that I've kind of noticed too is maybe a little odd here compared to other places is that there's not a consistent viewership of professional games. There's some kids who support clubs wholeheartedly and there's some kids that could care less about watching soccer on their off days, which is kind of crazy to me. But, you know, from the kids who maybe don't have something to kind of watch and model, do you see that those kids tend to struggle a little more on on the technical side. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 a very good point. Like, like over this these last three weeks, the Premier League's just started back. And that's yeah. all I've pretty much watched. Yeah. You know, in between sessions I'll go home and watch Premier League. Yeah. Even at my age now. And, and you, you see it in how kids, for instance, we're working on three kicks. Yeah. There might be a boy that steps up, imitates Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And I immediately know, okay, he, he watches it. <laughs> He's a, you know, but it's also Ronaldo kind of mastered his craft and developed it. Yeah. You know, we've got to kind of bring it back down to earth a little bit and then yeah. But you know, that creativity and that kind of mindset, you don't want to discourage it because, you know, like I said, so much comes from watching the game and learning mm-hmm. the game. And, um I feel like it's starting to happen more and more now because there are more games accessible here, even in, in England. We, we there, there are more free televised games here in yeah. than in England. Yeah. Um my parents always complain about that. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I can definitely start to see that see that turn, and people are able to identify players. It's it's very much who are the better teams: Liverpool, Man City. Everyone yeah. identifies with the Barcelona's, the Juventus. Right. But the fact that they they are slowly starting to watch it a little bit more is positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny they mentioned that too because my, my my grandparents still live in in the UK. They live in Swindon, middle, oh, okay. of, middle of nowhere town, but. Um, but yeah, so they, they, they always complain that they get one game a week on the weekends and that's yeah. all again. we get, and we get six or something <laughs> yeah, like that exactly. <laughs> back to back to back all day long on a Saturday and yeah. on Sunday. So it's funny that that's the case, but, um, so, so for you, um, who were your kind of idols and heroes in, in the soccer realm growing up and kind of what players did you model your game off of? So, so I was a big Man United fan growing up, yep. uh, played center back 90% of my career. Um, kind of in my teens, it was Vidic, Nemanja Vidic. Yeah. Um, I always considered myself quite a, a tough tackler, uh, you know, 
kind of a leader yeah. um, in how I play. Yep. Um, I wasn't the most technically gifted at all times um, in terms of you know, running at people with a ball or something like that. My distribution yeah. uh, and my game's kind of built more around his style of play. Yeah. And he used to play alongside Ferdinand, who Ferdinand was kind of the, the Corvette and Vidic was, you know, the Ford Mustang, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so he, he was one. And then Lothar Mateus, when I originally uh, first got into it, we played a 3-5-2 and a sweeper. Mm-hmm. So I played in a position that he played. So he was someone that I kind of tried to watch as much on. And, and he yeah. was really confident stepping into material with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something I tried to add to my game in that role. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, just literally, uh, obviously from a forward standpoint, everything was around Van Nistelrooy, yeah, Ronaldo, all the players that were, I was very biased in who were my favorite. Yeah. But very heavily Man United. Uh, <laughs> very Man United based. <laughs> but yeah, just, just, um, from yeah. a positional standpoint, I say the Man Village. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not, I don't know if you could ever, find a, a centre-back pairing better than Ferdinand and Vidic. Yeah. Even in today when you have like the Virgil van Dijk's out there and things like that, I mean, they you just, just don't have, perfectly yeah, you just don't have a, a, a pairing like that I, that I can think of at this yeah. point in time. And, and, and generally anyone that has close to that mm-hmm. has a successful team. Yeah. Yeah. I think the closest you can get to it now is probably Juventus probably. Yeah. Because um, they're just, all, they're just stacked back there with everyone that they yeah. have. But even then, I mean, you probably can't name more than, you know, most people can't name most of their players on there because they don't have access to Juventus games very often. Right, right. So. right. And, and, and a lot of that has come from the evolution mm. of the game too, is, you know, mm. like how many times did Schmeichel build out of the back? Yeah. Not too often. Right. You know, whereas now Ederson could play, easily play on the... Well, easy. He, 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 he could play. Player. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. so talented with his feet, you know, and so that's meant the center backs have to be more comfortable in possession. You know, Gary Pallister, Steve Bruce, yeah. I'm not sure how comfortable they'd be in possession, but then you add like your Virgil van Dijk yeah. and, and how that started to progress. So I think for how the games have progressed, technically everybody now has a role yeah. in the team, you know, a little bit more of a demand for it too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny because, um, one of my uh, one of my clients, and I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I just thought the idea was kind of brilliant. Um, so, kid plays for SA City, um, younger younger kid, um, and super obsessed with with watching a bunch of different teams and stuff like that. But the way that his dad has has kind of molded his uh, his son's kind of progression through soccer and his development, he's basically done this thing where he's like, okay, this month is Iniesta month, and we're going to watch a few clips on YouTube of Iniesta. You're going to go out and play every day like him. You're going to try and mimic what he, what he does. If you do it every day for the next 14 days, you get an Iniesta jersey. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is. That's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. And really, it's a creative way to get them engaged. Yeah. I think kids are so visual. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that. I think that's awesome. it, kind of, it kind of blew my mind a little bit when I heard that because, uh, you know, we were just in here doing some rehab work with him and just kind of figuring out some kind of little body movement stuff and not just what do you do on a week to week basis are you training right now what are you, are you working out what are you doing and that's when that came out I'm like oh that's pretty interesting i, I like that yeah yeah very creative <laughs> yeah i hear that very often yeah yeah absolutely and so as a as a man U fan are uh you're pretty excited about the the charge that man you've been on the past yeah, few weeks you, you know what like post shutdown it's been pretty positive yeah. um you know i think that the league in general you know, with the Chelsea's coming through, Man City have always been good. Yeah, Liverpool just a different level right now. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's I haven't worn my jersey for 
about eight months. I kind of kept it in the closet. Yeah. But uh, I'll probably be able to bring it out in the fall. You got to bring it out for sure. Yeah, I was watching, and that was the other thing too, is the, you know, starting back up after the shutdown. Um, it seems like some of the games have been pretty kind of tame so far. They've been mm-hmm. kind of just like kind of touch and go. And the maybe the past couple of days, even when I was watching Chelsea and West Ham yesterday, that was a good game. And I think it's finally kind of kicking up some steam oh, for the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I, even, I even think the commentators made that point. Like that game was, was the first game that probably deserved a crowd. Yeah. You know, was, yeah, I, we watched, uh, I watched it too. And, and it, yeah, it's been a little bit kind of, Testing the water, it feels like you <laughs> yeah. know, right now, and I'm sure you know. With them, they've grown up in the environment of having people around them and, and critiquing them and mm-hmm. um, supporting them, and you know, I'm sure that kind of adaptation is tough for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, although they get paid thousands to do it, so they, yeah. they can deal with it. If yeah, they can deal with it for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's starting to pick up again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to see. All right, so so if someone is listening to this um, and they're they're a local kid in San Antonio and they're they're interested in coming to train with you, how can they get a hold of you and uh, what can they expect on the first visit? So um, <laughs> the the main way, the, the easiest way, we, we have a booking system set up through the website. Okay. Uh, there's also an application that you can use, um, uh, SoccerSenseSA.com. Yep. Um, when you enter, every child enter or every parent can enter a child's profile. Okay. Through that, they're able to look at available sessions. Uh, right now, it's been extremely good. I, I'm kind of booked through till August 15th, mm-hmm. um, but every two or three months, they, we open up slots further ahead, especially through this kind of time where it's a little bit unsteady. Yeah. We, we don't want to open too far ahead. And um, yeah, and a lot of people will feel free to contract me directly. Um, and if I get a new client that comes in, a new trainee, I'll generally reach out to them. We'll communicate about the child. The first session, Will generally be built around first touch, yeah. Um, so that way, you can kind of have an assessment, get to know the kid a little yeah. bit too. Um, the parents can also request something specific to work on, and we can base the end of the session around that. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm getting a lot of uh, anyone over the age of eight, uh, male or female. Yep. Um, I'd say right, right now, I, I have everyone from a, a pro player on the U.S. men's desk team all the way down to an eight-year-old girl that's just starting out. So it's yeah, it's. You know, it's geared towards them. Um, the goal is to help them achieve their goals, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, and yeah, so yeah, the easiest way to book is, is SoccerSenseSA.com and uh, go to the booking system. Awesome. And uh, I'll, I'll link everything on the on the show notes here. So if you need any links for anything, all the Facebook, Instagram, everything else will be on there also. So uh, reach out to Paul anytime. Don't be shy and uh, start training, especially with, you know, everything being shut down and practices kind of being touch and go it's probably a good time to get some consistency in your training so uh thanks paul for being here and uh we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next time dr aaron stairs here a soccer doc from premier soccer performance and guys i wrote a book for you called the premier soccer performance roadmap and i want you to get access to that for free so you need to go to our website premsoccerperformance.com that's p-r-e-m soccerperformance.com to claim your free copy now if you're an athlete who is just wanting a general program and you're not really serious about getting better or going to the next level then this is not the book for you this is a book for serious youth athletes who want to play either in college or optimize their skill set to take them to the next level. Even if you're a parent wanting to give your kid a competitive advantage, then this is also the roadmap for you. Okay, so I want you to go to our website and claim your copy for free. 
While supplies last, and our, our website for that is premsoccerperformance.com. That's P-R-E-M soccerperformance.com. Enjoy today's episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Soccer Doc Podcast. If you are a competitive soccer player wanting to take your game to the next level, we have the program for you. Go to our website right now to download the Premier Soccer Performance Roadmap. It's our guide to improving the vital habits for you to stand out on and off the field and take your game to the next level. Again, that's www.premsoccerperformance.com, P-R-E-M, soccerperformance.com. Thanks again for listening and catch you next time on the Soccer Doc Podcast.